the AFR Ratings Podcast, round 12 wrap. My name is Pete, and I go by now for AFR Ratings, Pete on Twitter. I'd like to welcome in co-host Aaron Bryant. Good day, Aaron. Hey, Pete. How you doing? You did the Port Adelaide and Hawthorne game on Saturday at Adelaide Oval, so it was a fast start by Port Adelaide, putting the game away pretty much early. Yeah, it was kind of went to plan a little bit. Uh, I thought, considering the form of Hawthorne the weekend prior, that maybe they'd put up a bit of a fight. But without James Sicily, it was always going to be a tough task, and they just got exposed. Uh, they, their young midfield completely got smashed, and then Port Adelaide's fast and effective ball movement was was just so dominant. I mean, Butters and Rosie had an absolute field day, and then up forward, poor Sam Frost had multiple goals kicked on him in the first quarter, and, and it got so bad that they flipped him forward in the end, and, and Jeremy Finlayson finishes with five, and, and Todd Marshall had five as well, and yeah, it just looked it just looked too easy. It was almost that West Coast Witches Hats level that um, would certainly disappoint Sam Mitchell, and I'm sure they'll take a little bit of you know the fact they rallied in the last quarter and six kicked uh, six goals to two. But the game was dead by then. It was all about you know records and, and how much Port was going to win by and how much they'd scored. And I mean, there were so many goals kicked that we actually missed the start time of the next game. It, it was a remarkable afternoon, but. Just goes to show how Port Adelaide, how well they're doing. I mean, they've won nine in a row now, which is a, an AFL club record for them. Um, it, it's going to get a little harder over the next few weeks. They've got a couple of big opponents starting with the Western Bulldogs on Friday night, but they seem to be well and truly in sync, and they're doing it without Charlie Dixon, so they're obviously going to get better as well. So, um, yeah, I continue to be impressed by, by how their midfield continues to gel, considering that they, they don't win the hit-out count comfortably, and they even tactically sub Scott Lysett early. Um, they still win a ton of clearances and just move the ball so well on the counter. The best thing about Port Adelaide, they're just banking a lot of wins. So now they can go into um, management mode into the back half of the season, knowing that they should pretty much make finals and, and right in top four contention as well. But, you know, you, you're managing Char- Charlie Dixon until he gets back to a pretty decent level of health, especially with the banking wins without him. Um, Tom Jonas, obviously, you manage him back into full fitness as well, and not just getting him up for games, getting him back into full fitness. So if he is returning, like he's returning at a really good uh, speed for the Port Adelaide game um, and other players there as well. So this is a, And we did see Josh Sin into that game there as a sub on Saturday as well. So it's, a, it's another probably back half of the season where they could start to de- develop him more. And again, banking wins early in the season is quite critical as well. So, yeah, onto the ruck situation. So Jeremy Finlayson was impressive again up forward, but his flexibility in a ruck plays a huge part into Port Adelaide's um, game style. And, and like, he, he's quite fast when he hits the ground as well uh, for a tall guy. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Scott Lysett, obviously, you, you said it earlier, is it was a sub there, I believe it was early in, in quarter three there, um, and purely a tactical decision because, obviously, the Hawks subbed out one of their rucks in quarter two, so that was an early sub from the Hawks. Obviously, game got out of control. Uh, but Scott Lysett, you know, he comes back into the team and they look even better with Lysett as a number one ruck. Um, but, yeah, adding that second uh, ruck, there's Finlayson there as well as assistance. And, obviously, he took over the number one spot when Lysett got subbed out. So it's a really good situation for Port, especially in that ruck, and also with uh, Finlayson playing well. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. I mean, Lysett was so out of form at the start of the year to the point where I wasn't sure if he'd make it back. He was out of contract in his 30s, but clearly it did him um, a good service. And he comes back in, and he's he's pretty solid one-on-one. And, again, he's not dominating the hit-out count, but he's doing enough to kind of limit the impact of the opposition ruck. And then when Jeremy Finlayson rotates in, I actually I think he's my favourite ruck at Port Adelaide purely because he doesn't win the hitouts really at all, but he dominates clearances. He's basically an extra body in the middle. So he's enough in terms of his stature that 
again, he, he limits kind of clean and easy hit outs against. But then he, he's good when the footy hits the deck. So, yeah, he's really helpful when he rotates in the middle. And Ollie Lord got a bit of time in there as well and actually thought mm. he did pretty well. So, again, just showing how versatile they are. But, uh, I mean, we, we talk about the depth and the fact that they're, you know, they have the, the flexibility now and the opportunity to kind of plan for September action. Um, they've already kind of been doing it. I mean, Dixon was supposed to be a one-week injury. He's been out for three to four now. And, and even at the start of the games the past couple of weeks, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but they're, they're rotating the big names on the bench to start the game. Yeah. So, I mean, last last week was Zach Butters and this week was kind of rosy. So that they're clearly giving their midfielders a bit of a break so they're not playing these full massive games. And it's not impacting them and it's not impacting the footy club right now. So, I mean, there's, there's still a half of the season to go. But clearly, you know, they're veterans – weren't in the 22 on the weekend. Most of them were either in the sand pool or out injured or just recovering from an injury. And the rest were kind of leading the charge pretty comfortably. So, yeah, they're, they're in a great spot. Yeah, Kenny Hinckley was asked about that a few weeks ago uh, with regards to their rotations through, through the midfield and centre bounces. And you know, he pretty much said, we're going to manage our players through the season because it's a longer season. And, you know, obviously, from what we can see as far as airport is concerned, like it's having a better impact, more impact for me, uh, because obviously um, it's not too much uh, limited time, but you know, just a little bit fresher and more impact, and, and that's actually good for Port Adelaide's situation at Ken Hinckley. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think, um, I mean, considering all the talk about how his position was untenable, and, and oftentimes Port fans can be pretty harsh to Ken Hinckley, uh, he, he's playing this out pretty well. He kind of understands where they sit. And, I mean, this nine-game winning streak, you know, a couple of those games were decided by a kick. So it, it could have easily gone the other way. But clearly they've decided this is how they're going about the end of their season and, and it's working. So, um, yeah, they've got a really good long-term plan. And, and the good part as well is, uh, I mean, Collingwood's looking good as well. Um, but realistically, the the premiership conversation is quite wide open, uh, aside from the Magpies and maybe the Lions to a degree. But, again, they've lost a couple they shouldn't have. Um, every team's kind of gettable, which is really exciting for Port Adelaide. Yeah, and just back on to uh, Ken Hinckley there and the coaching staff, good decisions are being made through this season. So um, as much as supporters can get on Hinckley's back, like a lot of his decisions and the coaching staff decisions have been correct and have like they're bearing fruits from that. So uh, it's a good season so far from Port Adelaide and, and can set themselves up the back end of the season, uh, but obviously managing players into full health into finals and obviously giving opportunities to some younger players such as Josh Sim there as well. So let's move on. So special mention into the game as well, Luke Bruce kicking uh, career goal number 500. Yeah, and he played pretty well. Um, he and Kuzitsky seemed to work well together. Um, it's an awkward position for him to be in, obviously, because he probably won't be around when Hawthorne are, are contending once again, but he's, you know, he's a club great and he's... He's doing his part by, you know, teaching the next generation. Mitch Lewis looked good up there as well. But, yeah, Bruce certainly got got up the ground a fair bit. I think he kicked five in the end. Um, certainly serviceable and, and actually was scoring um, in the rare opportunities that Hawthorne were in that first half. So it wasn't just the junk time that he cashed in. He, he certainly was around the mark for most of the game, which a lot of the Hawks weren't. So um, he was definitely one of their better players on the weekend. Let's move on to Port Adelaide Hawthorne fantasy rep here. So 129 from Zach Butters, and I'll group him right here with uh, Connor Rosie, as you mentioned earlier, 121 points from him. They just dominated through that midfield on Saturday. Yeah, massive. I still think Butters is the better of the two right now, just the way that he's mm. playing. He's got so much confidence. Like he, he's breaking tackles and, and taking on opponents. He's brushing his way through the, the corridor, 
Um, he's tackling a game, which is really exciting. And from a fantasy perspective, he's had five consecutive tons now, and, and he's the, the number one player in the coach votes, the number one player in champion data. Um, he, he's just so reliable now, which is something that hasn't really been uh, kind of Zach Butter's mantra. He's usually kind of an 80s guy that can occasionally ton, but um, yeah, he feels very reliable now, which is great. I mean, um, those, those that invested in him will be stoked. He's, he's pushing above 900 now. He's 918k, so it's it's just getting harder and harder to get him, unfortunately. And and the way that the buyers are going, he, he's on round 15, just like Connor Rosie, obviously. So um, that's kind of the round we're trying to avoid bringing players in now. So it, it's probably too little, too late for Zach Butters. Um, if, you, if you didn't get him, you probably might want to wait till after the buy rounds are done now, because they've got the dogs and the cats still to come before they're buy, and they're no easy feats. But yeah, but but it still feels feels great, um, which is odd because yeah, history uh, history kind of says that he can let you down at times, but he certainly hasn't at the moment. And kind of Rosie, um, I, I was getting a little worried. I think the past few weeks with Butters' ascension, he'd kind of taken a little bit of a backseat. But um, another one twenty one, he's had two of those in the past three now. So um, yeah, he's, he's back to his best once again, and they seem to be clicking together. Yeah, Zach Butters finding good balance in his game and able to win a lot more ball. Um, free ball, I guess, um, and obviously he's got a pretty good contested game there as well. Uh, on to the next one here. So Dan Houston, 84 points. He was able to hit the scoreboard a couple of times there as well. Yeah, he's just got such a high ceiling, Dan. Um, like he, I mean, he's had an 84 on the weekend, but at times, you know, when he's, he's getting 30 plus, he can go up to 110. But I think we've touched on it a few times across the season that um, he's just not consistently a ton kind of player. He is very much an 80s guy, and yeah, I, I thought he had a really impressive performance. Um, that by the time I actually checked the score, it probably didn't reflect how well he played. Um, so, yeah, I, I do like Dan Houston as kind of a draft player, but from a classic perspective, he, he's probably not your guy, you know, because of the way that he's been scoring, his, his break even still around 100. So um, he's just not a top six defender. On to the next one here. So it was a tough day for the Hawks midfield. Uh, just 70 points there for Will Day. Yeah, um, he battled. I mean, he, he was good at the back end, but he kind of disappeared around, I think, quarter two. Um, and heading into half time, I think he only had like 11 touches or something. He was really struggling. And um, it's an odd one because he, he didn't really cop much attention either. kind of thought maybe Willem Drew might have run with him or something to, to shorten that. But I think that was just a testament to the dominance of Port Adelaide that they just controlled disposal and, and were so good with their clearances that, yeah, Day only really started scoring when they took their foot off the gas in that final term. So. Um, it's a bit of a shame because we, we've kind of seen the past few weeks like he's copped a couple of tags, um, which means that his scoring just yeah isn't what we'd like it to be. Kind of felt like a ninety plus guy, and and the past month he just hasn't really been in that, which is a bit frustrating. Like he, he's starting to lose a bit of money after everything he's gained, um, which makes him affordable for, for people that are still chasing um, with the round fourteen buy. Um, he's probably you know not an urgent priority, but um, he's still you know Hawthorne's one of their best midfielders. John Newcomb's obviously taken quite a step forward, but um, the flexibility of, of Will Day with the DPP option is, is quite handy. Um, but, yeah, he just hasn't impressed the past few weeks. On to round 12 fantasy rep. So Christian Petrarca, 188 points from him. Uh, Clayton Oliver expected to be back next week. Yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Um, again, we, we were touching on the buys, and he's got round 14, so it, it's not really something you'd want to prioritise at the moment because you're kind of looking at the guys that missed last week. But um, he's only gone under 104 times. And, and even then, his scoring's not too bad. He's had two 80s and 290s, and the rest is a, a ton and up. And, yeah, obviously he has capitalised on the absence of Clayton Oliver going 116-118. But 
just the way that he's playing. I mean, that Friday night game was pretty miserable, but his performance was certainly a standout. Like he, he is starting to look a, a lot more composed. I mean, we're talking about a Norm Smith medalist, but um, you know, if he, if he can consistently play the way he did on Friday night, he, he's certainly in the top three conversation uh, in the league. Like he, he's an all-round player who finds space. Time slows around him. His impact on the scoreboard. So. Um, I'm a little frustrated. I was going to bring him in and, and change it to, to Rory Laird at the last minute, which hurts. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think the return of Clayton Oliver should damage him too much. On to the next one here, Dom Shee, 138 points. Uh, he's pretty good for the Eagles there on Saturday. Yeah, and affordable. I mean, he is kind of that. If you're stuck and you can't get a primo, Dom Shee's kind of the way to go. And he's starting to score a little bit more like we'd hoped at the start of the year. You know, the three consecutive 70s, and mm. it kind of looked like a bust. But... I mean, Andrew Gaff's absence probably helps a little bit as well, like Dom Sheed and even Tim Kelly to a degree. Tim Kelly had such a good start to the year, and, and Sheed's kind of filling that void now. Like, he's getting these massive scores when he turns it on. Uh, the Crows this weekend's another opportunity for that, uh, and then the unfavourable round 14 by. So, um, again, it probably just depends on your structure, but if you are stuck and you can't get someone uber premium, um, Dom Sheed at, at 785k is, isn't a bad shout. Next one here, Nick Daglos, 114 points. So had a bit of a shadow in that game uh, early, but uh, got off the leash pretty much late and uh, raked up pretty good score. Yeah, he's just he's so reliable down back, isn't he? We talk about the top two defenders with Dawson and, and Dacos, and um, he's only had a couple of games where he's kind of disappeared where we thought maybe he hit a little bit of a wall in the early stages, but seems back to his best now. And, and it, it has helped having North and the Eagles in his past too. So um, Melbourne's still to come in that in, um Big clash the MCG, but yeah, I don't think they're going to put anyone on him. So he's a little, you know, sneaky option as a, as a captaincy pick, obviously. Nick Dacos, um, I mean, being the, um, one of the earlier games of the round, I'm trying to see where they're playing. Oh, no, they were actually, yeah, they're playing Monday, on, um, yeah. on the Monday. So yeah, so they're actually the last game. So, um, yeah, he, maybe he's the guy that you kind of rely on if your VC doesn't hit during, during the round. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned the VC. So I had um, the VC going into the VC on Nick Dacos and the captain going into Tim English. And you know, if Dacos didn't get there late, I was just quite comfortably going to sit on the uh, captain for Tim English. And you know, he hit 114 points. I go, oh, that's quite reasonable. I'll take the Nick Dacos. And then the next player we're going to talk about is Tim English pops up at 158 points. So a little bit of a late search from Dacos, and then I moved off the captain for Tim English. And that's just the way it goes. So. A pretty reasonable decision to hold the captain for Dacos, but you know, 158 points, Tim English, he smashed it. Yeah, I had the same problem. I went um, Tim Taranto into Zach Merritt, and I, you take 130 every day of the week, <laughs> and mm. then 130 doesn't end up being the biggest yeah. score of the round. Like it's it's incredible how it played out. But um, yeah, Tim, Tim English is is insane. I, I can't believe how well his season is going. Like he showed glimpses of this all round player last year, but he, he's just doing it week in and week out to the point where. I mean, what my matchup this week and a couple of matchups in the league were literally decided because of guys that had Tim English. Like they didn't have all-round teams, but if you had Zach Merritt and Tim English and Tim Taranto, like that's probably enough to get you over the line because he's just scoring so high. Like he's had multiple 150s, um, and his down scores are three high 90s. Like he's he is ridiculously reliable. Um, it's yeah, he hasn't had the injury concerns we expected really good couple of weeks to come with Port Adelaide and North Melbourne. So, um, yeah, he, he's a tantalising prospect. The biggest issue is like he's made so much money. He, he's up over a million now. Yeah. Um, you know, his break-even was 140 last week and he hit it. So, like, it's, it, it, 
it's just getting harder and harder to to get Tim in. And, and I guess the the one time you could try to is this week if you had Jared Witts, you know, being on the bye, maybe this is the round you, you try and get up to English because he feels like a, you know, he wins matchups. He's the kind of guy that there'll be different strategies on how you, where you're at the season. And obviously the priority of the bye rounds is to get your remaining rookies off the field. But if you have a team full of kind of lower premiums or, you know, upper mid prices compared to a team that had a couple of rookies, but Tim English in it, like that's probably going to win them the game. Um, he's just, so high in his ceiling. Next one here, uh, Bailey Day, 118 points from him. So a pretty decent run at Marvel Stadium upcoming for the Bulldogs. And obviously plenty of ball and takes the kick-ins there as well for the Bulldogs there. So 118 points there for him. Uh, quite a solid return. Yeah, really good in the past month. I, I haven't seen enough of the Bulldogs to kind of understand why. Like he had a really miserable start to the year, um, which was unlike him. Like he's a guy who used to get 30 touches off half-back and then I'm not sure if it's because Caleb Daniels like purely in the guts now that that's kind of opened up his role a little bit. But yeah, his past month has been the Bailey Dow we've come to know and love, which is great because he's like so heavily underpriced. He, he, he dropped purely because of the way that he started the campaign. And, you know, he's, he's probably already made 100K back in this past four, four weeks if he didn't get on. But that doesn't mean he's, he's unachievable. He's break even 61. He's 770K. So he might be, again, another option if you're kind of stuck and you can't get to one of the top six guys. Uh, even a Seamus Mitchell, for example, if you held him, um, you know, and you, he doesn't play this week, I don't, I'm not sure how bad his illness is, but you just shoot to get up. But maybe Mitchell to Bailey Dale could, could be a cheeky little option. Yeah, there's a bit of movement in that Bulldogs half-back zone there as well. So uh, we did see Jason Johannesson uh, out of the team a couple of weeks ago with a, a significant hamstring injury. So mm. that provided extra opportunities there for Dale. And obviously Ed Richards goes out of the team uh, yesterday. So He's going to be at least the short term. Um, so uh, just want to keep on the radar there as well. Uh, obviously, the mid-season draft was last week, and you know the Bulldogs took Caleb Poulter, who was previously Collingwood the last couple of years, and you know he has played halfback and can play that halfback role. And you know Luke Beveridge said in his presser after the game that they in the VFL they moved Caleb Poulter to a halfback role, and you know just coincidentally that Ed Richards now sidelined through injury. So that's one player that they're going to potentially look at. Uh, for their next game, the Bulldogs, is Caleb Poulton. He potentially comes in and replaces a, a like-for-like uh, with regards to Ed Richards. So next one here, Ben Keyes, who's a pretty popular target in fantasy season long there as well uh, this week, obviously uh, moved into the midfield significantly last week. And I'll let you explain the interview you had pre-game with regards to his role. Uh, but, yeah, a smashing score from him, 123 points from Ben Keyes there as well. Yeah, so we, we had a chat to Adam Kelly in the pregame. Oh, not in the pregame so much. It was, it was more in the morning on Saturday. I was part of SA Grandstand. And I did specifically want to ask him about that because in terms of CBAs, like I was a Rochelle owner until this past weekend and was wondering kind of um, when you look at the numbers over the past few weeks and you could tell the Crows at the start of the year clearly were giving Rochelle a go, Rankin a grow, and they were trying to figure out that third spot. And they've, they've thrown it out the window now. Like they've, they've given up on that experiment. And Ben Keyes had 94% last week. And it was kind of a, or oh, is this a one-week one thing? Or is he going to go back to the forward line where he has been inaccurate and, and generally plays a lockdown role? So we asked Adam Kelly and he said, oh, look, well, the plan is to keep him in the midfield for a while. Like They, they probably thought 94% was too high, but he, he was certainly going to be continuing the role that we saw um, the week before against Brisbane. 
and it played out that way. He, he had plenty of centre bounce appearances in Darwin to the point where he improved on the 109 to the 123, and all of a sudden you go, gee, he's a really good prospect because when he was up forward, he was scoring miserably, and he's lost so much money as a result of that. But we know Ben Keys can be a 90 to 100 player when he's a pure midfielder. Like that's what he was last year and the year prior. And, um, He's now down at 621k with a break even of 25. Like he is a very tantalising prospect, but high risk, high reward. You know, the Eagles this weekend, great. The buy after that, and then they begin the run home with Collingwood and North. But um, they, at any given moment, they could change their uh, their ideals, and they could say, "Hey, yeah. maybe maybe we do want to put Rochelle back in there." So. Um, you can jump on and ride the wave because you are going to make some money from it. Um, whether or not he's there by the end of the season, I'm not sure because it, it clearly is fluctuating a fair bit. Yeah, it's not a guarantee. And uh, yeah, slow game from Rory Led uh, there on Saturday night in Darwin. But uh, yeah, just a handful of tackles for him. Just wonder if that played on his mind, the suspension and getting off that last week with regards to just a handful of tackles there on Saturday night. But the one player we want to talk about is Jordan Dawson, 128 points from him, very solid again. Yeah, he was awesome, and, and a lot of his scoring came from Mark's cross half back as well. Considering he's still playing in the middle, like he was getting around the ground, and in what can be a slippery kind of um, affair in Darwin, he, he certainly found plenty of the footy that way. Um, Rory Laird, I actually thought he had a pretty good game. It was only um, the the start of the third when Adelaide kind of capitulated and, and the Suns went on their run. That I don't think he touched it in the first ten minutes, and that was kind of enough to prevent him from getting to the ton and. And you're right, he didn't tackle as heavily as he normally did. I'm not sure if it's because of the suspension or whatever, but um, he certainly was finding enough for the footy, but just disappeared for enough of a time that it impacted his his tunning ability. But Dawson didn't. He, he was all around the ground. And, yeah, the seven marks up north is, is no easy task. So, um, yeah, some monster scores from Jordan Dawson. Like He's, he's going to be an All-Australian for sure. Um, the funny part is um, I did see the, the AFL mid-year All-Australian had him at half-back because that's how he started the year. That may be a cheeky way to, to fit another midfielder into your 22 because um, I think he he belongs as like a in the middle if he's going into an All-Australian team. On to the next one here. So Tim Taranto, 130 points, and he's just a, a consistent high-ceiling type player now. Yeah, massive. And again, a, a little bit of a slow start uh, and then just absolutely fires and like He's doing a bit of everything around the ground. He's, he's Richmond's best player. Um, loves junk time. Like that final term, he absolutely racked it up. Um, and clearly, the absence of Hopper hasn't impacted him at all. He's, he's the only player in the entire competition who's had a hundred all twelve rounds. Um, just just so reliable. So I think w- what happens now is, I mean, I, I took his captaincy score this week, and I think from now on, I mean, if you haven't already, he's basically set and forget. So you, you kind of look at each round and say. Or when's Richmond playing, and how can I decide whether he's my VC into my C or my or my, my final captain option? Because I mm. think you have to plan your captaincy around Tim Taranto now. He has to be one of those two because yep. he, he's just so reliable. What's the next one here? So uh, Kieran Briggs was nicely priced and had a pretty decent break even this week, and obviously he's performed well since coming in as the number one ruck for the Giants, so he crushes out of 117 points against the Tigers, and against uh, Nankervis as well, which is, isn't an easy feat. No, I just didn't think he'd get there. I mean, yeah. a, a few of um, people, the people in my league kind of yeah, got him in um, for Sean Darcy, which was expected. You know, you make a bit of coin and hope you can ride that wave. I don't think it's actually going to be a short-term wave. Obviously, Braden Proust is still you know, waiting to come back from injury, Matty Flynn's on the out, but, but Briggs has been so impressive. 
Um, he, he didn't dominate the hit-out count, obviously, because he was playing against Toby Nantervis, but he was doing so much more. Like, he was fighting for his own footy, so he, he loses the hit-out count, but then he becomes the tackler. He brought down Tim Taranto multiple times. Hits the scoreboard in, in forward 50 stoppages. Uh, he, he's a guy that he's kind of like Jeremy Finlayson in a way. Like, he can do so much more than just be a tap ruckman, and I think the Giants do need someone like that right now. So, um, unfortunately, the round 15 buy is not great, um, and North this weekend in Hobart is going to be a, a difficult task against Todd Goldstein. But, um, yeah, if you got on him, congratulations. You can you can definitely ride that through the buys, if not after, because uh, I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon, and he's going to be making a ton more money from here, like a, a break-even of 12 at 600K. Um, he's already made um, about 150 since he started playing. So, um, yeah, it's, he, he's a huge winner if he did jump on. So the last one here, 155 points from Zach Merritt in the final game. So uh, he had 16 disposals in, in that opening quarter against North Melbourne and then decision made to send Liam Shields to him. Uh, still gets there with a pretty solid 155 points to finish off the round. Yeah, incredible start. Like Multiple goals on the first term. Um, absolutely everywhere. And, then, and you're right, they did chuck shields on him and, and it didn't slow him down. He still had 31 touches in that second quarter and, and then by the end of the game, he'd, he'd just broken away once again. It, it just didn't really um, change much of North Melbourne's approach, putting shields there. Like He just didn't do any damage. So um, remarkable performance by Zach Merritt. And, and you know, I, I brought him in this week, but um, there was that hesitation because North can tag in, in the past. Um, Hawthorne likes to do it as well and and there, there was the worry that with Setterfield and Parrish injured that, you know, Zach Merritt was the last one standing and, and a lot of attention would be put into him to shut down the Bombers. And um, it hasn't worked in, in any stage. Like the last three weeks, he's just been mega. 158, 11, 155. Um, Carlton's still to come in the round 14 bye. So he, he's actually um, really consistent. Um, if you look at, you know, Rory Laird, who had that slow start to the year, but he's starting to put together like 130s aside from this weekend in Darwin. Um, Zach Merritt is kind of um, he's near that Tim Taranto level where he's kind of consistently giving you 100s plus um, and I, I don't think the returns of Parrish and Setterfield will impact that um, if anything it will just make sure that we're a bit more at ease when there does come a tag but um, he's clearly got a tank to, to get around the ground and just keep fighting for it regardless of the margin of the team that they're playing and um, he just wanted the footy everywhere today <laughs> it was incredible what he did to North Melbourne and um, without him, they don't win that game. So, um, yeah, massive. Uh, break even of 84. He's, he's going to be a, a million dollar player soon. So, um, yeah, if you haven't got on, he'd certainly be a target. But again, it depends on your structure with that round 14 buy. Well, Aaron, you have a few weeks off. So, uh, all the best for that for, from the listeners and for myself are there as well. Uh, you can catch Aaron at Aaron Bryan's on Twitter and you can catch me at AFL Reddings. Pete on Twitter as well, AFL Ratings Twitter account, associated Twitter accounts there as well, aflratings.com.au for a stack of fantasy information to help your decision making each week. So uh, your planning over the next few weeks is going to be interesting for your trades, Aaron. Yeah, I, I've um, actually structured my buy, so I kind of knew, um, depending on if there's injuries or not, I planned all four weeks out. I kind of know exactly what I want to do um, to make sure that I have a full team ready to go by the end of the buys. So last week it was uh, Rochelle, Ashcroft and Fioridi out, and I got Laird and Meriden. Um, this week I'm targeting Lockie Neal. I think he's actually been scoring really well the past few weeks, and, and yep. you know, you're going to have to ride that wave a little bit because he had a couple of 80s, but I, I do think he's very undervalued, and obviously now he's completed his buy. 
Um, I want to give Jack Steele one more week because his break-even is quite high, so I do want to let him drop a tiny bit more, and then I'll get him next week. Uh, and then the week after, um, I was looking at, depending on maybe Callum Mills, but again, I think he's still a couple of weeks away. So Mills, um, someone like a Jai Simkin would be great eventually because he's, he's dropped a seven with concussion. He's plummeting in value. So again, you could do like a Wardlaw to Simkin by the end of the buys, depending on when he's back and how much money he's lost. Mm. Um, so, so I'm really targeting obviously the players that have already had their buy. Um, so Steele, Brad Crouch, um, and and Lockie Neal, I think, is, is kind of the big three I'm really looking at this week. Um, and maybe even like a Chad Warner. Errol Gordon, I don't have in my team, and I think he's probably just a little bit too highly priced now. Um, if he missed the boat, it's probably too little too late. But, yeah, Lockie's just 8.29. Like, he's, he's super affordable. It will leave you some change to, to work around other stuff later. So uh, Samson Ryan to Lockie Neal is my big upgrade this week. Yeah, it's probably one I'm looking at as well. Um and I think those that don't own Caleb Sarong will be in that market there as well. And those mm. that don't own Andrew Brayshaw, I think they'll they'll be in that market there as well. So I think they should be pretty much the top three targets for players coming off the buy. So coaches should be looking at those three. And, and maybe there's a couple on the peripheral there as well that we can sort of enter into. So, yeah, I had a look at the structure and who was coming off the buy and... You know, I didn't really actually like it too much, so I, I didn't upgrade. Uh, I was going to cash in a stack this week. I ended up doing a, an upgrade to Ballydale because it was only two targets for me next week. So, yeah, and, and that's the week upcoming now as well. Well, well and, the other option as well, Peters, was um, because there's only two teams on the buy this week, you, you could actually get one of them in. Like, it, it doesn't really hurt you to chase, like, a Noah Anderson. Um, purely because, you know, you're going to have a best 18 anyway and he's going to be there for the rest of the buys. So, um, yeah, it's a good week to have hopefully some cash in the bank to, to work stuff around because there's a lot of players that you can now rely on for the, the rest of the buy rounds. Certainly is. Well, Aaron, we'll catch you back on the podcast in a few weeks, so enjoy. Thanks for having me.